What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? They take their listeners from surviving to thriving. I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast brought to you by Future Focused Parenting. Hi, everyone, and Happy New Year. We are back. So welcome to 2020. Kira and Dina here, Raising Adults, and we are really glad to be back with you. Hopefully your break and holidays were restful and a great time to connect with family and just enjoy, hopefully, a little bit of what we talked about in the holidays episode. Hopefully some joy snuck in with all the chaos. That's what we're really hoping. (laughs) (laughs) And we're really starting the year off with a bang, wouldn't you say? I would. (laughs) I would. I'm a little nervous about today. It feels very um, vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Vulnerable is a really good word. So I I guess I don't want to just circumvent the new year part. So how are you? How were your holidays? Are you setting goals in the new year? What's coming your way in 2020? What a a wonderful question. Um, I don't know. Some years I do resolutions. Some years I don't. I don't really have any this year. I think that I feel like I came into the new year with a clear eye of like what matters to me this year and what I want to be focused on. So I'm just going to go do that. That's smart. Yeah. How about you? I never did New Year's resolutions until I met Scott. Oh. Because he does them. And then I sort of got on the bandwagon. And it maybe that's good. I don't know. I I think I like arbitrary reasons for doing things but before that I always was just like well if I want to make a change I can just do that right now and it's still true but I think he kind of got me a little bit on the bus so I tried it here and there I don't always do it but when I do it wow I'm pretty serious about it with my kind of personality (laughs) (laughs) so what are you gonna do I don't know I'm the the thing I'm leaning for for toward is twofold and it's to do with my mouth so what goes in and what comes out Mm -hmm. so I think I've slid a little bit in just being cognizant about eating pretty clean I usually do okay but I've just mm, it kind of slid so that would be one what goes in my mouth and then obviously the flip side of that coin is what comes out of my mouth so what I notice with myself is often what I say is fine how I say it could use some work so just things like tone volume am I aware of my countenance when I'm speaking because if I'm saying something nice but my face looks like the Grinch that's not going to go well so that's I mean we're what is it the sixth we're barely in but that's what I'm leaning toward is this focus on being aware of what goes in your mouth what comes out of your mouth I like that I like that it's my birthday this week and uh, I'm going to doubt myself but it's my 39th birthday (laughs) the last year in the 30s it's my last year in my 30s so I think that I had this resolution last year, you might remember this, and I really liked it, but it didn't, it just didn't come to fruition. I fell off the bandwagon, but um, it was to get comfortable with discomfort. And I really wanted to kind of just think about all the ways in my life where I let the idea of being uncomfortable get in the way of doing something that matters to me or pushing myself that little bit further. Um, I mean, in lots of ways, I, I do that naturally, but there are definitely areas where I'm like, wow, I really don't like to be uncomfortable mm. in that particular area. And it actually stops me from being successful in that particular area or gets in my way of having a good time. Like a great example is I don't like to be cold. 
So oftentimes I get really like stressed when we go to zoo lights over Christmas because it's outdoors and it's cold and I'm going to be so cold and how am I going to survive the cold? And it kind of almost ruins the fun a little bit. Wow. So I think this year one of the things I've been thinking about as I kind of come into 40 is, you know, life's going to get more uncomfortable physically, emotionally, like that's just the nature of getting older. Um, so really trying to go forward with that this year. Like what does it look like to just embrace discomfort and not be afraid to be uncomfortable, you know? Wow, that's such a good one. I also do not like to be cold, although admittedly, it, I was just talking about this this morning. If I had to pick between I'm too cold or I'm too hot, I'll pick too cold every day. Oh, 100%. I'm so angry when I'm too hot. Oh, yeah. I don't like to sit in my own sweat. I'm grumpy. We used to eat these popsicles when I lived in England, and Dave called them degrumpifiers because I was <laughs> he was like, do you need a degrumpifier? You are grumpy. But yeah, it's like I don't like being uncomfortable temperature-wise. I don't like being tired. So sometimes I'll say no to things that I want to do because I'm worried I'm going to be tired the next day. Mm. Um, you know, I don't like being hungry. So sometimes I overeat just because I'm scared of getting hungry. The so, just-in-case snack. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like it. I'm not even hungry. Um, so, you know, those kinds of things. Like just like really looking at um, what that means. And I was inspired because my... My daughter, for reasons I won't share on the podcast, but um, she's sort of in a position where oftentimes she has to be uncomfortable. And I, I thought about that. I was like, wow, I'm expecting my eight-year-old to live with discomfort, and I'm almost 40, and I can't do that. Like, hmm, mm. that's interesting. So, um, yeah, so I think I'm, I'm definitely going to focus more on that as I as I come into adulthood because I'm going to be an adult next year. You're finally going to grow up? Maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> <laughs> Yet to be determined. <laughs> Yeah. So here is what we're talking about today. Epic mom fails. And I mean, if you heard the When Parents Make Mistakes episode, we're, we're taking it to the next level. And I think what will be really distinct about this episode is, like you mentioned, Kira, it's vulnerable, for one thing, because we don't often just talk about where it went really pretty horribly wrong or things where oh, I really wish I could take that back. But also just the whole idea of not trying to make it tidy. And I think sometimes it's okay to just be in the mess. So that is your heads up that we're not going to come at you at the end with all this great whatever advice and uh, tools in the toolbox or all the different little cliches I could put in there. But I really want our listeners to understand that, sure, we help families even for a living and we love doing that, but we're in the trenches with you and that there are going to be things that even when we look back now, they're still ouchy. I was talking to Kira before we started recording and saying one of the ones I'm going to share today, I'm still like, oh, did I actually do that? It's just no fun. Well, and I think it, we talked about the normalizing of this, right, that at the end of the day, all the tools in the world, all the advice in the world, and all of the skills that you bring to the table as a parent and the desire to parent beautifully and well is not going to prevent epic mom fails or epic parent fails. They happen. All the best parents I know have at least one. So we have to own that and we have to be okay with that. But we just don't talk about them. So it is really vulnerable to be mm -hmm. like, hey, so I'm like a parent coach and here's my epic mom fail. Um, that feels weird, but yeah. I'm glad we're doing it for the normalizing factor. For sure. Because it's we're going to be authentic and we're in it. We're in it as well. So we're still doing it. We're still doing life. So do you have a why? I mean, I do. I'll admit part of my 
intention around share actually I have a why for the sharing of it I don't have a why for failing because obviously I would prefer not to (laughs) (laughs) but why is because I did (laughs) yes it happened and so there that happened but I do think the the sharing of it even not even in a platform like this necessarily just please be talking to your friends talk to your spouse if you have one parenting partner if you have one friends community we've got a process things together and that helps normalize it which is what you were just talking about we got to know oh yep that's normal well I messed up and that all of the best laid plans will sometimes not come to fruition even if you are a great parent and you've got an eye toward playing the long game and you tend to be really proactive it, it just we're still going to step in it sometimes and so I think it's there's a why for me in sharing that because I want to enter into that. And it's like what you were just saying. It's entering into some discomfort. Mm-hmm. I think my why is really similar and and maybe even a little bit for myself. Like I talk all the time with my clients and with my kids about, you know, you can't get through life without. And this is one of those. But forgiving oneself and owning it and not being afraid to say that happened and that's normal and it's okay that that happened, or it's not okay that that happened, but it's also normal that that happened Mm -hmm. is just really important. Yeah, it can be not okay and still be normal. Yeah. So I'll go first. I guess we can just do some back and forth. Oh, and then I did this amazing thing (laughs) that was not awesome. But my, my, I'm going to open gently because this one is maybe a little bit easier for me. It was this, it was a if you heard over the break, the things I wish I'd said, <laughs> spin cycle on the podcast, little things, Kira and I, snippets that we needed to get in there. I have a things I wish I hadn't said category in mom fail land. And this was a big one. And I'm really grateful because our family is able to laugh about it now. But it, it's cringeworthy to me that I actually said this out loud. So I had asked my children to do something. And I have to be honest at this point, I don't even remember what it was. This was years ago. And I had fallen into the trap. Again, I think this is relatable. I think we all fall into this trap where generally in our home, I really expect that when I just say it once, that's enough. But I had fallen into this like repeated broken record. Did you do da-da-da yet? Did you do it yet? Did you do it yet? And they just weren't getting with it. And I finally just said, I'm going to do it just like I do everything else. (laughs) And it was like, what was underneath that for me? Oh, my goodness. I must have been feeling a lot of just the ingratitude of how thankless the mom job is and that there's so many things I do maybe even behind the scenes that they don't notice. And it just came out in that moment in a very rude way. It was like, I'll take care of it just like I do everything else. And I'm really not a fan that I said that. I'm very – I try to be – careful as someone with a background in communications I really value words I think words carry deep meaning and that we have to be careful words can be weapons and they can also be very healing that was not a healing thing to say and it was also just pretty selfish and snarky like well I'm doing everything else anyway why not add one more thing (laughs) and I, I, I don't know it was it was gross but you laugh about it now we do because now even if I haven't asked them to do something I might say oh can you grab that oh never mind I'll do it and they're like oh just like you do everything else (laughs) so so it's become a bit of a joke thankfully because I'm sure in the moment it was not I mean we actually had a conversation about it afterwards in one of my sessions of hey where could I be doing better they were like you know that comment Mm. I mean I remember them bringing that up and saying that really wasn't great for them But now we do. We laugh about it and they'll remind me that, oh, just like you do everything else, (laughs) which, of course, now I do much less because they're so self-sufficient. So it's even funnier. (laughs) I love it. 
All right. Well, I'll throw in a things I wish I hadn't said as well. Great. Um, so, you know, I have always been very honest and open about the fact that having twins just knocked me for six and it was really hard and really challenging. And in those early years, I was really vocal about it, partially for myself as a way of processing it, partially because I wanted to normalize the hard of early mm. parenting for the people I engaged with. I wanted to be a place of authenticity for people to resonate with that. Like, oh, good, I'm not the only one who's right. struggling. I'm not the only one who's having a hard time. And at a certain age, it became clear to me that I needed to be careful about what I was saying because the kids were becoming verbal. They could kind of understand what I was saying. And I thought I caught it in time, but I didn't because not very long ago, like, and I really haven't said this out loud in front of my kids, like, oh, twins is so hard. Having two at the same time is so hard. Like, I just haven't, I haven't said it in years, but like six months ago, a year ago, we, it came up in conversation about having twins. And Rhiannon said, we know, we know, we know it's so hard. And I was like, oh, just that they... They heard at some point. Mm -hmm. I caught it too late. And I think I've mentioned that before, like in my puddle duckness, that I, I often catch things just that step like too late. Um, and this was one of them. And I have so much like sadness around that, that they, on whatever level, heard that having the two of them was so hard. And it was like, it's not like it's not true, but you never want your kids to think that, right? Or to feel like they are somehow the cause of the hard right, in your life. Right. Like they, they, we don't want to burden them with that stuff. Ugh. Yeah, it yeah. was really it no was fun. Super gross. And like, and I mean, we talked about it and I explained that, you know, yeah, it, it was hard, but now it's amazing and I wouldn't have it any other way and blah, blah, blah. But like you can, you know, whatever. I, it was an epic mom fail and I wish I had caught it sooner. I wish I was able to catch those things just that little bit sooner, but I, I tend to be someone who has to make the mistake mm -hmm. in order to learn. Oh, and I'm that way in particular with my words. I mean, I think this is why things I wish I hadn't said is such a category for me in mom fails. I can think of one even just a couple weeks ago where I just said the first thing I was thinking, that's my main issue is I'm a verbal processor. Mm -hmm. So I will say what I'm thinking and then go, oh, that probably could have stayed as just a thought. <laughs> it did not need to become words. And then I'm like eating, you know, my sh my foot's in my mouth. My shoe tastes great. I'm like trying to take it back and going, oh, can I just put those words back in, please? And of course, you can't. And we actually did an exercise about this when my children were small, which I loved. And if any of you liked are okay with messes and want to try it, it's a really good one where we talked about the impact of our words. And I had them squeeze toothpaste out of a <laughs> toothpaste tube and then said, okay, now put it back in. And that really shows them how once those words are out there, you can try, but it's going to be a huge mess and it, there's still an impact. And that is my biggest issue, hands down, no question, is I'm a verbal processor. So I'll come out with that first, whatever I'm thinking, and then go, oh, I need to re reword. Here's what I wish I'd said. Here's how I wish I'd phrased that. <laughs> I mean, I, this is just this is just me in a nutshell for sure because I'm such a word person. Okay, so my my other equally awful mom fail that I bring to the table today. And I think what makes this such a mom fail is that it's happened twice. So I did not learn from my first mistake, even mm. though I made a mental note at the time and was like, never do that again. Then I did it again. Oh, um, festive. So super, super mom fail. So this school year and the school year before, 
when we have gone back to school shopping, Reese has picked out some particularly sparkly items and he kind of gravitated toward like a sparkly pink pencil case and this year it was a, a folder that had like a puppy with a bow on it and and I have no issue whatsoever let me be perfectly clear with him gravitating toward those things I don't care um, he had painted toenails as a little boy and wore tutus and like that doesn't phase me at all but what worries me are the other kids at school and so two years ago when this happened the first time I said to him like are you comfortable taking that to school? Because some kids, I don't know, maybe they're going to be mean about it and I don't want you to get hurt feelings. And I could tell it kind of ruined the joy of this thing for him, right? Like I'd taken mm -hmm. the joy out of it. Um, and it all got really complicated and I made this mental note. Let him pick out whatever he wants. Like the chips fall where they may. You can't protect him from everything. If that's what he wants, that's what he should get. Like end of story. Right. And then this school year, I did it again. It was like <laughs> I completely forgot the mental note that I made and this experience. And it happened again. But, of course, this year he's older. And he was like, Mom, just let me pick out what I want. That's all that matters is that I like it. And I was like, I know. <laughs> You're right. Like, you know, so I, I have like all this guilt around what message was I sending, especially since it's something that I don't personally care about. In fact, I'm very much a promoter of gender neutral. And there, I say to the kids all the time, there's no such thing as girl things and boy things. There's just things. And he even quoted that back to me. He was like, Mom, you say all the time, there's no such thing as girl things and boy things. You know, it was just infuriating for me. Like I was so angry with myself that, that I had fallen into that. And it came from this genuine desire to protect him from any kind of hurt or pain, but we just can't. We can't protect them from everything. And I, the message that got sent was so much worse mm. than whatever would, would have happened if he'd taken the pink sparkly thing to school, you know? Yeah. And then this year he took the binder and nothing happened. Of course nothing happened, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I appreciate you being honest that the worst part for you is you didn't learn your own lesson. I mean, because how many times do we think, okay, at least... I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'll probably make a new one, but I'm not going to make that one again. And then you're like, oh, I made that one again. Yeah. That's no fun. And like what message am I sending to my kid? And how much did I undermine all the years I've put into there's no such thing as girl things and boy things? You know, like the discussions around gender in our home, like all this stuff. I just undermined it completely by doing what I did. And it was just devastating for me. It was, yeah, on so many different levels. But the fact that I let it happen twice is just like, ugh. Oh my god! Ugh, yeah, so frustrating. Okay, well, uh, the other one that I'm bringing that I mean, and I want to be clear, this is not an exhaustive list. Okay, oh, yeah. there. I think <laughs> we should my, just say these that are two of the ones I was willing to share on yes, right? international radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some ones that just floated quickly to the surface. We're like, yeah, that's <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. But there's many more. But this one is not a things I wish I hadn't said. It's a definitely things I wish I hadn't done or that I wish I'd handled differently. But my son, when he was about nine, I want to say, watched something that scared him and wanted to come and sleep in our room. And I'm, I've pretty much always been like really talking up how their bed is a great place and their room is a great place. And of course, I'm a sleep consultant, so I make sleep sound wonderful and amazing, which it is. But I've always been like, but if you're scared or sick or like there's thunder and lightning, like, come on in. Like, that's always been fine. What I failed to really couple that with is, but be aware, mom is nothing like she is when she's 
awake versus when she's half asleep because I am not pleasant and I'm not even the same. I, I really... I mean, I mean that. I feel like I'm not even the same person. I'm so grumpy. And so he came tra traipsing in and was like terrified and said he was just still picturing what he'd seen and wanted to sleep with us. And I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't remember exactly what I said. I just know it was hurtful. It was dismissive of, I, I mean, I did things I would never advocate. Like I think I probably told him oh you know it's it's pretend and I'm you're like old enough to know what's real and what's not and you know that was fake so just I, I kind of think I essentially told him like get over yourself not in those words but that's probably the message and now when I think about this it just hurts my heart I wish I just scooped him up into bed and like hugged him and loved on him and said I'm so sorry that scared you and and I'm and I'm not even saying it's it's an excuse. It's a not an excuse. I need to work on waking up enough to mm -hmm. be kind. Okay, so don't hear it as that. But I'm just being real. I'm not good when I'm half asleep. I'm no I'm no kind of style. Like you don't want to interact with me. I don't want to interact with myself. So what happened was he did end up sleeping in our room on the floor right next to me. So the resolution was he still wasn't alone with that fear. But I feel that the lead up to it was so poorly handled. And I just like even talking about it right now, I just want to go home and apologize to him again. <laughs> like I just want to make sure like, you know how sorry I am that that happened. And I responded to you in that way. I just did not respond with empathy and love and acceptance. And I also feel like in our home, especially with our faith paradigm, that it was such a missed opportunity to like, we can go to God with our fears and I could have prayed with him. I mean, it was just, I missed the boat on 47 different levels and it was awful. <laughs> it's the worst. It's just such an awful feeling. And, and it is, it's that toothpaste, right? It's like, even if it's not words, your actions spill out too. And you can do a lot to try and repair them, but they are, they are what they are. And yet... And yet, we cannot get through parenthood without these, which is what's so devastating. It's like, it's impossible to be a perfect parent. Mm -hmm. It is. And we're going to mess them up one way or another. It's just a question of, like, minimizing that and mm -hmm. yes. making it as few issues as possible and, and being aware of what those issues are and where they come from and how to cope with them and blah, blah, blah. But, right? Um, yeah. I mean, this is why I care about what we're doing, because I feel like with being a future-focused parent, I hopefully am preventing some of it or making it less or less often. But there is no way around it happening never. That's just not one of the choices. It's going to happen. So I I don't know. I, I wish it didn't have to, but it does because these things make, make us sad and it's hard not to feel bad. And I think that's another thing is we have this kind of a culture of parent guilt, I think. And so then it's about also being able to move on from it. And I'm not always great at that because I, I can I can sometimes wallow in my mess ups, <laughs> so to speak. But that becomes really important too to go, oh, that's normal that I screwed up. Everybody does. You know, what do I do now? But I I just, I don't know. I'm just being honest that even revisiting it, I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. ouch, mm -hmm. like, yuck. Mm -hmm. yeah. I actually did that thing. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I don't it, like it at all. No, it feels it feels gross. It feels like we let our kids down and let ourselves down. And, yes, right. And and no parent wants to wants to do that. And yet it's inevitable. So like, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? That we're in a position where we are inevitably going to make these enormous mm -hmm. epic fails, and we're going to feel bad about them forever. 
like that. I don't know. Some things are just not tidy. I mean, they aren't neat and clean and with perfect edges. I mean, this is one of them because even if you handle it beautifully afterwards and, and you should check out the When Parents Make Mistakes episode for that. We do talk a lot about how important it is to apologize to your kids when you mess up and how to kind of dig out if you've had a, a fail. But I think it's still important to know that doesn't mean it won't happen. That doesn't mean that handling it well afterward doesn't mean there's not an impact. It, there's still impact. And you're right. It's also letting ourselves down, which I think can be hard too to to move past because I, I, I mean, I can't speak for other parents, but I have really, I do have high standards for my children, but I also have very high standards for myself. And so it can become really frustrating. It's like, wow, I couldn't even meet my own bar. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, and I think when you have a future focused mentality, there's this also this fear around how is that going to impact them later down the line? Because so much of our thinking is the choice I make now impacts them later. Absolutely. So the epic fail I make now impacts them later. Yes. You know, how does that, like I think about the twin thing and it's like, how does that impact their self-esteem or their trust that I love them? Or I mean, oh, my gosh, like the ripple effects of that, that was just me being human and in my own underwater experience and needing to I'm a verbal processor too, needing to verbally process it. Like I was essentially meeting my needs, but I was sacrificing theirs without realizing it. Right. Yes. Yes. OK. I'm so glad you brought up needs because when we were talking offline before we started, this was the thing I said, like that I think fails often come from one of two places, either our child really had a need that we didn't meet, or we had an unmet need, and then it came out as something gross. And I'm so I'm really I'm so glad you said that, because I had forgotten to mention that. And that has really helped clarify things for me that, okay, I'm either failing to meet my own needs and letting that impact other people, which is not okay. So it says a couple of things to me, be careful of the leak out. But also, how do I then make sure I'm taking care of getting my needs met. But you have a great point where sometimes if you're meeting your own need, that can also backfire. Sometimes the very nature of meeting a need that you have could maybe be having not a great impact on your children. I mean, so there's so many things to be careful of. Mm -hmm. It's a landmine. Yeah. I mean, I think in, in the situation I was talking about, yes, I was meeting my need, but I think it really speaks to the fact that my bigger needs weren't being met. Otherwise, I wouldn't have felt underwater. That's a great point. To, you know what I mean? Like if I and I don't know that we could have done anything differently. Like that was one of those circumstances, too, or like I just couldn't get all my needs met. It was an impossible time in my life. Yeah, and you, you know, were in a crazy season. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. I, I think what you said before is exactly right. It's not tidy. These experiences aren't tidy. Like this is one of those times we can't offer great sage wisdom and advice because there isn't any. It it is. It happens. It it's a part of this roller coaster ride mm-hmm. that is parenting and and it happens to all of us and then we just have to hold that. We have to hold those feelings in whatever way we can and hope that they make us better. Hope that we learn from our first mistake and not your <laughs> not repeat it and not repeat it again, but you know, then if you do, you have to hold that too and mm-hmm. and find forgiveness and I don't know. I mean, it's not tidy. I think that's It's a well hard said. this is just one of those episodes or topics, I guess, where it's just a hard truth that if we're being honest, we may be able to reduce and minimize these kind of things, but they literally can't be prevented. It's We cannot give you this great assurance that it will never happen. And that's hard. I think we living with the uncertainty of, I'm going to mess up. When might it be? What will it be about? That's uncomfortable too. And we're going to 
embrace the discomfort with you for 2020. Kira, you're, it's right? Like, it's like I your new resolution. I'm like, so uncomfortable right now. Kira's <laughs> new year's resolution is now all of ours. <laughs> We're just embracing the discomfort. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I do have a quote today, and I think it's pretty apropos. It is by Donna Ball, and it says, Motherhood is a choice you make every day. And I think you could put in fatherhood, parenthood, whatever. I'm just wanting to quote her accurately. Motherhood is a choice you make every day to put someone else's happiness and well-being ahead of your own, to teach the hard lessons, to do the right thing even when you're not sure what the right thing is. And here's the key. And to forgive yourself over and over again for doing everything wrong. (laughs) I love that she used the word everything. Listen, you're going to do all these amazing self-sacrifices and you're doing it all wrong and you'll have to forgive yourself. (laughs) And with that, we wish you good luck, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck in the new year. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay, well, we, I mean, the the point is, we hope it was helpful to just hear our real and, and know you're not alone. Everybody really, really steps in it. And maybe you'll even write to us and tell us about your fails. We won't feel so alone sitting here in front of the washing machine, which is talking about how much we stink at this. Okay. Well, and I have to say, because neither of us talked about this, but I actually think, I bet there's listeners listening that are thinking about their own fails and mm. thinking about this. And I know neither of us are yellers, right, no. with our kids. Um, and and I I had a mom that – she wasn't a yeller, but she yelled sometimes. She yelled enough that I, I was like, I'm not going to yell. Um, and I yell sometimes, not often. Hmm. Um, and I've really lost my mind a couple of times. I can count on one hand the number of times it's happened, but I have a lot of guilt around that too. Like the times where I've been like, wow – I here I am an expert on emotional intelligence, right? <laughs> and like teaching my children and coping mechanisms and, te- and expecting them to use those coping. And I cannot hold my ish together in these times, right? So, and then the guilt and the shame that comes from mm. that. So, you know what, listeners, if you're yellers and you're listening to our examples and you're like, okay, but what about those of us that scream at our kids? You are also normal. Yep. And done it. we've all done it. And I, I really would love to meet the person who's never raised their voice. And I think there's varying degrees of yelling. Sure. Um, and that's going to be different for every family, and that's okay. But we all have the level of discomfort that we get to where we're like, wow, that was above and beyond mm-hmm. what is normal for my family. Right. And so any yellers out there, just know that even those the two of us who aren't yellers have yelled. Yes, you're not alone. No. Everyone has at one time freaked out. On their children in a way they wish they hadn't. Yep. Like, well, that was visible. Yeah. They knew exactly <laughs> what I was thinking and feeling in a way that was not great. <laughs> so there you go. You got the real Dina and Kira today. Yeah. I mean, you always get the real us because we yeah. laugh and we're authentic and real. But you got some of the real uh, dark, the underbelly <laughs> today. <laughs> and I almost, you know, we often end the episode with, we really hope that was helpful. I don't know that I hope it was helpful. I just hope it was relatable and yeah. that you don't feel alone because, yeah, we're not. We're not getting it perfect either, folks. No. Not so much. So we'll be back next week. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about lying. Yeah. We are going to give some wisdom, tools, tips. We'll have some tips that time. We'll be back to our happy-go-lucky selves. (laughs) 
we will have tucked the guilt and shame right back in the pocket where it belongs. Um, so we're going to talk about that. And then the week after that, we have Alexandra Idens yes. talking about growth mindset, which is really appropriate given how we've started off our new year, right? right. Like, okay, we're all have these epic fails and they're really normal, but we got to have a growth mindset mm-hmm. about how do we do better. So yeah. And when people are that. setting so many goals at this time of the year and stuff too, I mean, it's really perfect. I think that's good timing. She's, if you don't know Alexandra Idens, she's the co-founder of Big Life Journal and really has amazing things to share about growth mindset. And we have to have a growth mindset when we have an epic mom fail. So applicable in all ways. Exactly. Well, we're in a new year and excited to tackle all kinds of stuff. We do have some really fun guests coming your way. So hang in there with us. It won't be all doom and gloom. We just, you know, we started with the real, but we really, (laughs) we really will be back with real stuff that is, um, hopefully helpful and practical tools and not just like, and here's where we suck. Okay. Yeah, solution-oriented. We're solution moving oriented. back to solution-oriented. Yes. Today we got to talk about our problems <laughs> yeah. and we'll move towards solutions. That's right. And if you haven't followed us on Facebook or Instagram, I am going to just plug that really quickly. Please, 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 at Future Focused Parenting. Yes. You'll have all the info. We, we post there about our episodes, but also fun quotes and just helpful things and all kinds of beautiful pictures. It'll be great. Please follow us. We like to be followed in this context. Let's be clear. <laughs> Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in Kira's laundry room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening. <laughs>